Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-vibing friends. I am so excited you're here and as always have an amazing guest to introduce. Today, we are going to be talking to Mark Borax. Mark is a dynamic and proactive author, a counselor, teacher, public speaker, musician, and songwriter. He uses astrology to free the magical, soulful side of human beings. In 1984, he became a comic book writer and the managing editor of Comic of Comics Interview Magazine. In 1998, Mark rode his Harley Davidson through the U.S. and Europe, stopping for a few years in the Tuscan countryside of Northern Italy. Mark's first book in 2012, Crossing the Bridge to the Future, is a worldwide bestseller that describes the author's seven-year apprenticeship to visionary astrologer Elias Longsdale. Under the Redwoods of Northern California, they created a mystery school which birthed a new form of astrology called Star Genesis that helps people contact their core nature and life purpose. Mark's second book, co-authored with Lonsdale, is a cosmic weather report that inspires readers to rethink the whole purpose of humankind and bring on a new future. His third book, The Ruby Heart of the Dragon, is a radical revision of the 12 sun signs due out in May of this year. So welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thanks, Caitlin. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So I'd love for you to, I know I gave a little brief history of kind of how you got to what you're doing, but I'd love to hear kind of your side of what brought you to the work you're doing. Well, gosh, that's hard to answer in a, con- in a concise way. Right. Um, I think it's ever since I was a child, I sensed that there was more to life than meets the eye, mm. uh, more than people seem to be telling me. Mm-hmm. And um, and then a series of, you could say, coincidences or synchronicities started getting me thinking there must be some sort of a grand design. I, I just don't mm-hmm. think things just happen randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, I describe some of those synchronicities in, in my upcoming book, which will be due out next week. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Um, after four years of writing. And, um, and then one event... One event led to another and another until I finally stumbled into the presence of Elias Lonsdale back in 1987, a mystic and visionary astrologer in Northern California, where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was just about to start a mystery school where he and his wife brought through a whole different way um, to look at astrology and I had already launched my professional practice at that time in the Bay Area called Soul Level Astrology because mm. I used the birth chart to get to the core nature of human beings. And um, the first book that I wrote, uh, 2012, Crossing the Bridge to the Future, is a memoir of my apprenticeship. Mm. Very cool. I feel like it's, you know, I, I think... I'm interested to talk more about the astrology piece and how Star Genesis is a new way of astrology because I think astrology is such a big topic and so many of us don't even really know where to start, right? I think a birth chart is a a place that I chose to start um, to start learning more about myself, but I still feel like I don't quite understand it. Um, so I'm curious, what is what makes Star Genesis kind of a different way or a new astrology? Well, it's a good question and 
I guess one of the first answers to that question is it's like the difference between a frozen TV dinner and an organic feast. Mm. Um, it's just most astrology is very surfacey. Yeah. And filled with cliches and uh, and superficial interpretations. And uh, star genesis scrambles the signs. And so it, um, it, changes the the rulerships it it, it it puts different planets with different signs with different houses mm-hmm. but mostly what it does is it gets down to an inner zodiac like the the, the mystical zodiac mm-hmm. soul level astrology which i created is largely based on the star genesis um that we that we learned in that time period back in the early 1990s okay i like that um that metaphor for it of the frozen TV dinner versus organic feast. I, I think that I agree. I think when I first started dipping my toe into astrology, it was very hard to understand, but also like, I felt like it was really that surface level, right. Of like, Oh, here's your sun sign, your moon sign, your, you know, rising sign. And I was like, great. What does that even mean to me? Um, And I think that it's nice to see that it's kind of going a little bit deeper and I'm, I would love to kind of know, I know you do a lot of these, um, like the second book, the cosmic weather reports. And I feel like that we're kind of shifting to that piece. So tell me kind of what that is and how I use it. Well, first of all, anybody who wants to can get a hold of my newsletter. I have a free monthly newsletter called the cosmic weather report. You okay. can go to markborax.com. That's M A R K B O R A X. And, uh, and my new book is available for pre-order now. And the name of that, The Ruby Heart of the Dragon, you can go to therubyheartofthedragon.com. And some of these questions will be answered there because of the uh, classes and podcasts that I teach. Um, and I think that the deeper question here is that the world is, has reached a crossroads in history. Mm-hmm. And really, the future is is in doubt. Mm-hmm. And we need an astrology of the soul. We, we need a way to use metaphysics and astrology to, to peel off the disguise of human beings, to get down under the masks, to get into the core. Um, and if we can regenerate on a core level, which is what I've been helping people do for almost 40 years then I think we have a chance at, at a future. So I'm not really interested with much metaphysics and astrology because it just doesn't go deep enough. Hmm. So how do you, how do you take it to that idea of like, you know, the reintegration piece? By trusting that there's some reason why you were born, that you're not here just for some random purpose, that there's something in you that wants to come out. It's, you could call it love. You could call it soul. It doesn't matter to me so much what you call it, but if you awaken to the idea that you're here to do more than make money and keep fit in and get a lot of followers on social media, but that there's something burning in you, you know, then whether you use soul level astrology, whether you use my work or, or any other, um, path, you're going to be on the right track. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's, 
that was one of the things I love how you said, you know, it doesn't matter what you call it, but you have this idea of it's not necessarily you're meant to, you know, be like for me, I'm a counselor. So you're not meant to be a counselor and, you know, this piece, it's going a lot deeper than that of like you said, a bigger purpose of if we're calling it love, then love, right. And interacting in that space and enjoying that emotion and feeling that and kind of resonating at that energetic level. So I think that that's a really subtle and to a point, but unique shift to it of, I think like we get to this point of thinking that metaphysics is a lot more of when we look at it as like our logical human side, we look at it of like, oh, it's supposed to be my exact path of exactly what I'm supposed to do here. Not necessarily really from the energetic piece of like, I'm supposed to experience something in a lot deeper way. That's right. And and, and that takes a commitment. It, it mm-hmm. takes a wake up call. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a lot of wake up calls in the 1960s, 1970s. That was when I first started taking sacred medicines, LSD, magic mm-hmm. mushrooms. And in those days, I was awakened as a teenager mm-hmm. to the idea of the universe as a living creature, mm-hmm. not just some dead, uh, disconnected situation. And if you take that sense of the universe as a sentient being, mm-hmm. uh, that you're alive, that the planets are alive, the galaxies alive, and you're all connected, mm-hmm. then you can um, fight off the, the, the modern disconnect the uh, the grab hunger uh, to feed the hungry ghost the 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 need to acquire a whole lot of things that don't have anything to do with who you really are and so there there needs to be a wake up call inside a person in my, in my case it came when i started dropping acid in the early 1970s came through the music of those days and whichever way it happens whether you're maybe in a car accident or someone you love comes down with a bad illness, something that shakes you and makes you realize there's some deeper reason why you're here, then those people who come to me looking for that, I have a lot of experience and training as to peer through the birth chart and I paint a verbal portrait of who you are on the inside. Mm. And if the things I say to you resonate it's going to start a process that continues long after the reading has ended. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. And I, I like that you share your journey of how you got there. I think that um, this idea of using psychedelics in um, recreational use, as well as healing use, as well as like it's coming back in, you know, the more traditional counseling way, we're having these conversations about how psychedelics do allow people to get to a different place of functioning, a different ability to kind of access different things like you're saying, that wake up call. So I love that you kind of share that that is a place that this started for you and how it has allowed you to not only wake up, but continue showing that to other people as well as use it in your own life. I think that's a really powerful um, piece to, to touch on and be open about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's time they're coming back around again mm-hmm. and, um, you know, those kinds of experiments scared the crap out of repressive government forces and mm-hmm. they struck back with vengeance. Mm-hmm. But now the wheel is turning once more and things like astrology and things like all the entheogens, the sacred mm-hmm. medicines um, are, are being studied once again. And they're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're be- a lot of them are becoming legal once again. And so there's a whole new search, which 
uh, when you get past, again, the superficial sides of those things Mm -hmm. and you get down into how it can change your life and make you feel like you're a part of a living, breathing, growing universe, um, that can break people out of the restricted mentality like it did back then. Yeah, absolutely it can. So with with this piece of kind of talking about um, going back to that idea of like the cosmic weather reports, I'm curious, I saw one of your blogs that really sparked my interest. And I'm curious if this is kind of what we're shifting to um, with the galactic virus. I'm curious what that is. That's a name that uh, my former teacher, Elias Lonsdale, came up with for uh, a kind of a, a plague of the soul that spread around humanity where we've gotten turned against ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, just like uh, a cancer turns the cells of your physical body against themselves, Mm -hmm. the galactic virus turns individuals against themselves so that most people are walking around the world with the idea, though it's usually an unconscious idea, that there's something the matter with them. There's mm-hmm. something the matter with me. And it's so prevalent that, um, that you can't spot it. It's, it's, it's what we call the trance of normalcy. Mm. And that normalcy itself is a thickly drugged condition. And it takes a lot to break away. We started to bust out in the 1960s. All over the world, there was this rising up of, of a new consciousness I'm not here to be a cog in the machine. I'm, I'm not here to feed the war machine. Uh, I'm not here to, to, to fit into what the, the universities and the parents and the moral guardians are telling me. There's some creative reason I'm here, and I have to find it, whatever it takes. And, and to bust out of that galactic virus condition is to come into a deeper relationship with yourself and look into your shadow and realize that however messed up you might be, whatever mistakes you might have made, whatever things you might have missed, there's still something beautiful in you. There's Mm -hmm. something necessary. There's something vital and real, and we need it. We need the whole species to break out of that virus state. Mm. I love that. I I think that was one of a really big change in kind of my own journey, um, especially with counseling. I think, you know, I had some pushback going into um, some of the jobs that I was working, right? And like mental health counseling or addiction counseling, because people didn't understand. They were like, how can you work with people that are using substances or are, you know, severely mentally ill? And it was interesting to me because that was exactly what my, when I was doing my own healing work, I really started to see that so much of the beauty inside other people has nothing to do with what they've done, right? Like I have shared before on the podcast that some of the greatest lessons and like biggest teachers of my life were um, two clients that I met in involuntary psych in uh, Newark, New Jersey. And it was because it didn't matter what they had done or, you know, their mental health diagnosis or any of that stuff. It was what they were, when you got to that place of really having a connection and a, and a conversation with someone, you could see how much they do have to offer. Um, so I think that that idea of a galactic virus makes so much sense to me. And I feel like I see it every single day with my clients of how they get so stuck in, 
I messed up. I missed all this time. There's something wrong with me rather than what do I have to offer? What do I, how do I give that back? How do I experience that? Yeah. Yeah. It takes a a lot. It takes a real wake up call. And then a lot of years of falling in love with yourself Mm -hmm. and realizing, yeah, you got problems, you have weaknesses, you know, you might not be the best or the smartest or the richest or the most beautiful. And there's something so beautiful about you. There's something unique about you. That wacky way that you look at things is your art. You know, every, every artist needs some imbalance. You need a divine discontent to keep just raging against the machine and trying to make sense of uh, so many things in the world that, that shouldn't be happening. And some of those individuals who've gone down into addiction and into dependency, and especially if they come out the other side, mm-hmm. they're the ones who really, you can't fool them anymore. They've mm-hmm. already gone through the jaws of the demon and come out the other side. And, um, and that journey to go down into the darkness, find out where you're broken, find mm-hmm. out where you're hurt, where you're wounded, where you're in pain, and, and not turn against yourself. Mm-hmm. If you can look at your ugliness without getting ugly, and if you can look at your distortion without getting distorted, now you're, you're wrestling with the demons in the core. And then when you come up, you, you're, you're bringing something real and authentic that you earned. Mm. So that makes me, this question come up with birth charts. I know that we're talking about kind of being like this grander idea, right? It's not like we said, like, you know, you're going to be a counselor and then you're going to have a family and all these different things. But when we're talking about going into these challenging times or having kind of these bumps or challenges, is any of that in a birth chart? Well, the birth chart itself is an instrument. And so the birth chart isn't the be all and end all. Um, some astro- many astrologers might say that it is, but I, I differ in a lot of ways from most astrologers. For me, the birth chart is a window to the soul. Mm. And, and once the birth chart gets me to your core nature, I'm not that concerned with the chart. I, okay. You know, some of my readings, I've done sessions that are many hours long. And in some of those sessions, I don't even mention anything in the birth chart. I'm talking about you. Mm. And so, so the chart is a scope. And, and many things can be revealed through that instrument. But just like a telescope, you know, the scope isn't the thing. That the sky is the thing, the stars are the thing, the planet is the thing. And for me, the birth chart isn't the thing. It, it, it's like, I feel that most astrologers are hung up on, um, on the technique and the, and the chart itself. It, it'd be like if there was a romantic couple in a chalet in Switzerland and, and the, the guy is looking at the window and saying, this is an amazing window. Look at the wood, and there's six panes of glass, and they're eight inches wide, and they're six inches tall, and the wood is made of oak. And I'm saying, look at the mountains. Mm. Look at the other side. 
And so I'm way less fixated on the chart. If the chart can get me anywhere near to your core nature and your life experience, and this is with a lot of intuition, mm-hmm. instinct, some psychic ability and mm-hmm. 40 years of practice. But if the chart can get me anywhere near to your core nature, that that's good enough. That's all I care about. Mm. I like that. Yeah, I think that that's really where, like I was saying, my own use of astrology and my own kind of dipping my toe into it was very much like the birth chart was the end all be all. So I think that was something that really did attract me to having you on the podcast is talking about how it is so much different and it's not just like there's so much more, right? Like the new way of astrology. And one thing I am curious about is like how we start, because astrology, like I said, is a really big concept, right? It's a really big, it can feel overwhelming to people of knowing even where to start. So where would you say we can even start if somebody doesn't have really any experience with astrology? Well, they should pick up my new book because I redo the 12 signs. This this book is written for uh, the the early beginner, no, someone who knows nothing about astrology and for experts, because in it, I introduce each sign of the zodiac as an art, 12 different arts, and also as a country. And it's more like a travelogue than a, a, a textbook in the sense that I bring you into the landscape of this amazing country that has its dangers and its wonders and treasures. And, and, and by the time you come out of that chapter, you've gone through a shamanic journey with a different flavor, a, a different color. It's like 12 different keys in music, um, you know, 12 different colors on the spectrum. And, and so my book is the perfect place to, to start, uh, The Ruby Heart of the Dragon, Sun Signs for Our Times. Uh, also, I teach a three-year program to students around the world mm-hmm. in how to read birth charts the way I do. We're just finishing our second semester out of six, but there's an opportunity for new students to come in if they want to catch up in our summer study program where you can look at the recordings from the first two semesters and then join us on the live Zoom calls in September. So I just want to put that out there. You can find out all that stuff from from going to markborax.com. Very cool. I love that. So I'm curious, what is... How is your approach different as far as the traditional sun signs? Like, can you share an example of how it would be different? Yeah. So, um, what's your sign? Sagittarius. Oh, yeah. Sagittarius, <laughs> that's my favorite sign. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so in love with Sagittarius. Happens to be my moon and rising, but I'm just Hi. head over heels in love with it. That's my favorite chapter. <laughs> so, in Sagittarius, what I talk about in the book is um, is the urge to awaken all your senses, and mm-hmm. and most people are still caught in the old Aristotle idea that there's five senses because that's what they taught us in mm-hmm. grade school and scientists. There's five senses, and Aristotle said this, you know, thousands of years ago in Greece. And so everybody's been saying the same thing. Rudolf Steiner came along 100 years ago 
And he said, no, there's 12 senses and they each go with the zodiac. I think there's probably even more than 12. In that whole Sagittarian chapter, what I'm doing underneath the words of the chapter, I'm summoning all, all, all your awakening, the way that poets and playwrights, the way that Shakespeare and Rumi and all, all the best playwrights and uh, filmmakers, there's the story that they're telling on the surface, and then there's the understory. Mm-hmm. And, and so with Sagittarius, there's a real summons to, um, to get to a state of freedom that doesn't have to do with escaping. It's not about freedom from, it's just freedom. Not, not the adolescent version of once I get away from my parents, I'll be free or whatever it is. And I'm in that chapter, I'm just using all the arts that I have as a writer and astrologer to reach down to the part of you that can tune in telepathically, tune in um, all your various senses to so many things. On, but we've been trained not to look at them as if as if they put blinders on a baby at birth, mm-hmm. uh, like they used to put on horses on city streets. This mm-hmm. cone, and you can only see that that one view. So I think Sagittarius, out of all the signs, is trying to take off the blinders. Mm. Yeah, that resonates a lot with me. I I'm excited to get your book and to read that piece specifically because um, I think that was one of my initial turnoffs to astrology because I felt like it wasn't that piece, like you said, of the escaping. I kept being told like Sagittarius just wants freedom and they want to escape everything. They don't want to have any responsibilities. And to me, that was like, Ooh, that doesn't resonate. Yes. I want freedom, but it's not that I'm not okay with responsibility. It's not that I'm right. It's a, it was a different type of freedom, like you said. So I, um, I appreciate you sharing that. And I like that kind of um, revision to this piece of, of sun signs. Cause I, I think it's, it does have it slightly off, right? It, like you said, it's been on that surface level for a lot of how I've interacted with astrology before. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm using, I use uh, 40 years of experience to crack those cliches, to just mm-hmm. bust them apart and, uh, and bring through a radical revision that can like shake people and, and wake them up. And, um, and the few of the astrologers who got advanced copies gave me some some good cover endorsements. So mm-hmm. they they got my message of Stephen Forrest, one of the most popular astrologers. He loved the book and wrote a great mm-hmm. quote. And uh, Bruce Schofield. So at first I was thinking, God, I'm just such a radical outlaw. I'm such <laughs> a spiritual outlaw. I don't know if I'm going to get any good quotes from these more famous people, but they came through. So evidently the book reached them too. So I'm pretty psyched about that. Yeah, that's incredible. I love that. Um, So with this idea, I'm going back to that idea of the cosmic weather reports again, because I'm very interested. I keep feeling this pull to go back. So I'm curious, what can you offer any things of kind of in astrology, what is coming up in the next couple months of 2023? I think you said earlier, we're in this really big shift and um, there is a lot of fear of like what's happening in the future. So I'm curious if you can give us some insight. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of back and forth happening in the cosmic weather of the coming months and the, and the next year or so. Because for the first time since 
the great revolutions of the 18th century, Pluto is back in Aquarius. Hmm. And the last time Pluto was in Aquarius was during the French Revolution, the American Revolution, the Haitian Revolution. So we're up for another revolution, but Pluto retrogrades out of Aquarius and back into Capricorn, then goes back into Aquarius, then goes back into Capricorn, then finally stays in Aquarius for about 20 years. So this is a back and forth between um, the abuses of power, which is the the shadow of Capricorn is false power, false authority, false patriarchy. Um, and, and the bright side of Aquarius is the awakening of the masses, collective consciousness breaking out of its enslavement to the elite few who, uh, who lord over it. So there's, 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 this, there's these growing pains. And I'm looking at the Pluto in Aquarius period, these, these 20 years that we're just beginning now as the real make it or break it period of the species. We either get it and we wake up in the next 20 years or we really blow it. And, mm. and so I'm just using, I've been using all my, my writing and my teaching and my astrology readings for almost 40 years, but I'm using all my power, especially with the release of this book and all my webcasts and the classes that I teach to, to really come through that, that Pluto and Aquarius call to just, to just help people wake up and see through uh, the lies, the deceit, the delusions, the, uh, the, the delusions of the left, the delusions of the right, the delusions of, of, uh, of our time. We, we, we just have to bust out. And I think in the coming months and the next year, there's a whole back and forth into fear, the fear that keeps people afraid of trying something new, of, of claiming the love that's here. And then the breakthroughs, the releasing of the fear and the claiming of the vision and the claiming of the love. It's, it's a real uh, shakeup period. It's a mm. wake up. Yeah. I think that that uh, resonates a lot with kind of what you've been talking about of, you know, like the idea you've mentioned that idea of it's time for us to wake up and either get it or not um, many times. And I think that I've been kind of noticing that where we're going to such extremes in our world, but then we're still kind of shifting back and forth. Um, like we're so sure. And then we go to the opposite side. And so I think I'm starting to notice that where neither of these extremes feel right or correct, which means that neither of them are really working kind of like you're saying, because that's not the point of what's occurring. It's that wake up call to really figure out, like you're saying, what, what is the purpose and the core nature that we're here for? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a long overdue wake up call. It, it, it really involves breaking out of the hyper polarized state, mm. uh, the two party system, which yeah. is uh, destroying the world, uh, the sense of self and other, and, mm. you know, we're the good guys and they're the bad guys, you know, and, and that hyper polarization um, is destroying everything. And, and so I'm doing my part to, um, you know, equally piss off the right and the left in social media and, and try and break out of, 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 uh, of, of the hyperpolarized state to realize you can only hyperpolarize a species if the individual is turned against herself. Mm. Once the individual heals the inner split 
then those external polarizations have less to hook on anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an individual revolution that can then spawn a collective revolution. Mm, that was a very powerful way to say it. Individual revolution that can spawn. Yeah. The other revolution that makes so much sense. I, I it's, it just was making me think again, that exactly what you're saying, the galactic virus of if you're not feeling if you're not turning against yourself, then you have a lot more choice and power and purpose. And you're at that space where you can be more like you're saying, operating from that core nature and value. That's right. And, and I, whenever we, whenever I talk about this, I always have to add that it's a journey because waking up to the fact that you're, you may be turned against yourself is just the beginning of the journey because then you're going to be tested mm -hmm. in your relationship, in your family, at work, with your neighbors, on social media, in politics. And, um, and you know, I woke up to the fact that I was turned against myself many, many years ago in our mystery school, mm -hmm. 30, 30 or more years ago. I'm still working on it. Mm -hmm. So it's a commitment and a journey in my marriage, in my fatherhood, with my children, um, I, I'm tested all the time to choose love over fear, to, to intimately companion myself rather than, um, you know, lash out from my own inner darkness. And I don't always succeed, but I know what I'm trying to do. So I just want to say, cause I don't want to, I don't want to seem glib to your viewers that, once you wake up to the galactic virus, then now you're okay. Right. Now you can fall in love with yourself because it's a lot more than that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is a really powerful point to look at because I, I think that, that is very, very true with healing journeys. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like what you said resonated with me a lot of like, I started this healing journey a long time ago and yeah, it's still is challenging. And oh my goodness, do I notice um, the times where I am challenged in all the different roles and dynamics and places in your life. So I think that um, I appreciate you sharing that piece and, you know, sharing that even being in this field, as much as you are and being an expert, you're still dealing with these challenges and still dealing with that piece of, I have to choose the love. I have to not choose to react out and um, that it is still a process for even you. Yeah. And, and there's a, and there's a principle where, the more awake you become, the more you realize how unawake you are. <laughs> Where before you were awake, you didn't realize how unawake you were. Right. It, it's like a musician. When I started playing guitar more than 40 years ago, I couldn't tell when my guitar was fully in tune. I had to have other musicians tune my guitar. Now, when I'm playing with other musicians, if somebody's a little bit off, my, my body hurts. It's mm -hmm. like my, my organs start to twist. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and so as you become more aware and more awake, one of the things you become more aware of is how much further there is to go. You can get faked out into thinking you're regressing, but often it's you're just tuning in more. Now you realize how much more there is. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes me think of I'm laughing over here because it makes me think of this um, quote very much in my industry and in, in the mental health industry. And they say that the people that work in it are 
for lack of a better way to put it, as or crazier than the people that you're helping. And I think that it's exactly what you just said. It's because you realize, oh my goodness, how messed up am I? Or how much more growth and places do I have to go? Um, so I think that that is a beautiful place for us to kind of end on. Um, I appreciate you coming on so much. And for our listeners, thank you for spending the time with us. I know your time is valuable. I am going to put all of Mark's information in the episode notes so that you can get his book. I'm super excited to read it myself. Um, And you can find out more about his mystery school um, and definitely jump on that cosmic weather report for those. I'm excited to see that and to um, have some guidance and even like starting to navigate what is happening. So thank you again, Mark. I appreciate your time so much. You're so welcome, Caitlin. It's a pleasure. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.